0: You've got your yellow sheet in front of you, we're uh, taking a look, we looked at the exhortation and then we took a look at conscience and now we're going to get back to the examination as it is found in 1 Corinthians 11, pretty well the back page of your yellow sheet or page 2, but you've got a Bible there if you want to turn to it. Turn to page 1135, I mentioned before that Paul was, after the first part of this letter, he was going through some of the questions which they had asked about various things, now concerning food, offered idols, and concerning marriage, and concerning, so he's kind of gone through uh, those particular things. When we get to 1 Corinthians 11, page 1135, uh, you can see that uh, he has, uh, I mentioned with 1 Corinthians 10, uh, that he is uh, dealing with uh, idolatry. First he had talked about just food that had been bought out back and, and don't ask any questions. And then... Uh, He finally went on to talk about participation in ceremonies, that is, participation in the worship of false gods, idolatry. And he said that, verse 14 of chapter 10, Therefore, my friends, flee from idolatry. And so he definitely puts that on a different level than he does some of the other things. As he is going through... When we get to 1 Corinthians 11, and verse 1, and it goes with the last passage, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Verse 2, I praise you, he says, for remembering me in everything, and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. So he's going to praise them for what they're doing, and he gives an example of a practice that follows the teachings of uh, creation and the distinction between men and women. And then, going on to verse 17, (coughs) as he continues, and this is where we begin with our yellow sheet, Paul says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. It's, it's, it's a, a jarring, it's a significant change as he's going through. Uh, most of the things that he is, is dealing with in the congregation uh, simply need a little correction or a, a, a change. Uh, this is one where you can tell that he has a very serious thing and he is going to address it. So, beginning with 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, top of your yellow page, let's read it. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God? And shame those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set an order when I come. So, Paul is quite clear that he is not praising them for the things that they are doing. I mentioned last time when he says the words, you come together, he is not simply talking about hanging around together. He's talking about divine service. He's talking about having church. When you come together, that is, when you have worship and you have service, uh, He says, it's not for the better, but for the worse. Mary.
1: Dumb question, maybe, but I've always wondered about this when reading this passage. Did some, he he speaks about, you know, if you're hungry, go home and eat. Did some people disrespect it by taking more than... Was offered them, or was he being sarcastic, do you think?
0: So, a couple things historically. The Lord's Supper itself, when it was instituted, it was instituted at the end of the Passover meal. And there was a Passover in connection with it. Now, the Passover meal only happened once a year, but the the Jews often had a Seder meal every Friday night. Going, you know, that was the Sabbath meal. The Sabbath began on Friday at 6, and so they would have this. So you can imagine, especially that as Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper with 12 Jews, the meal... May have continued in that way. That is, they had Lord's Supper in the evening, at least on uh, uh, the Lord's Day. For it talks about them breaking bread together, uh, and so they would have Lord's Supper in the evening in connection with uh, a meal uh, that that went, <coughs> that went before it. Um, There were two other things that came out of this. One, the early Christian church, no doubt in accepting this kind of practice, had what was called an agape meal. Agape, it's the Greek word for love. What would happen? Well, the congregation who came together... No longer was it considered a passover it was uh, a love meal It was a meal in which the congregation came together and 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 ate as well as had service and lord's supper and 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 all together pretty common kind of 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 thing um, I would liken it absolutely to a kind of potluck of sorts uh that, that that was regularly happening. Second thing. There were in Greek culture, and again the Romans spread Greek culture throughout the world, there were uh, meals that were held. And if you were rich and if you had whatever you would have a meal and you would invite people to come to your meal at these meals it was not not simply a matter of inviting friends it was definitely a social structure and order of things and so they write about these meals and they talk about how well Uh, I might invite over, and some of my closest friends, you would come on into the house with me, where we would have the servants wait on us, and we would eat quite well in the house. And then, out on the porch, some of my acquaintances, you know, we would serve you... Not as good a wine, and not as good as food, and and some of the others who I just invited so that you could watch the rest of us eat so well, the rest of you ate outside on tables and had other kinds of of food. It was intended to be a show of who was important and who was not important. There's a man named Pliny the Elder. Uh, he was a, 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 a Christian who talked about uh, this situation that uh, was the church. It was a part of Corinth. Was you? If you're in Jerusalem, you didn't have this among the Jews. But as Paul's going out to the Gentiles and preaching, and you get to Corinth, well, guess what? What? Began to be a, a love feast, just a meal amongst the believers, turned into oh well we've got meals, and they would have separations in 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 the groups. Plenty of the elder talks about this. He says. Uh, One in which, uh, table privileges among grass with better portions for some and for others. Uh, there was even a satire, uh, concerning the, the wealthy and how they took. <laughs> he says, since I am asked to dinner, why is not the same dinner served to me as to you? You take oysters fattened at the Lucrine Lake. I suck a mussel through a hole in the shell. You get mushrooms. I get hog funguses. You tackle turbot, but I, Brill, golden with fat, a turtle dove gorges you with its bloated rump. There is set before me a magpie that has died in its cage. Later on, uh, he records this uh, from the perspective of the privileged. says, I would... It would take too long to go into the details of how I happened to be dining with a man, though no particular friend of his, whose elegant economy, as he called it, seemed to me a sort of stingy extravagance. The best dishes were set in front of himself, and a select few cheap scraps of food before the rest of the company, he would even put the wine into tiny little flasks. Divided into three categories, not with the idea of giving his guests opportunity of choosing, but to make it impossible for them to refuse what they were given. One lot was intended for himself and for us and another for his lesser friends. All his friends were graded. And his and our freedmen. So you get a little bit of a feel of what was going on. What happened? When they came together, instead of... They're being together, showing that there was one church, one community, that they were all believers in Christ. What happened is, is that some didn't have anything and they went hungry. Others had all of their wealthy and they got drunk and ate everything that they had. And Paul says, you know, is this the way it's supposed to be for church? Now, by 110 A.D., approximately... 70, 80 years, they had completely separated to separated Lord's Supper from any kind of meal. Any kind of pollock, any kind of thing like that. It was was completely separated. Two, it had completely moved from a nighttime celebration to a morning celebration, which probably helped to switch kind of uh, uh, that out uh, as as Well, um, and had uh, you know, abolished that. but uh, we, So we have this recorded, not only by Planner, but by Justin Martyr and some things of this sort. What is Paul telling them? They're coming together for Lord's Supper. Mm. They're coming together. They are celebrating Lord's Supper. But when Paul says, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, They weren't celebrating Lord's Supper. Why does Paul say this? It's not because he said, oh, you're just coming together for peanut butter and jelly. No, no, no. They they had the bread and the wine and they said the words. But Paul says, it's not. What does he mean? It wasn't the main feast. (laughs) It wasn't being done according to the words of Christ. They were having bread and wine, and the words of institution. But when they did this, it didn't. You know, its purpose was not to show the body of Christ for the forgiveness of sins that they might receive. It was, it had been turned into something else. Um, someone told me the other day, they said, well, there was, a, um, at the congregation where they're at, they serve... Uh, uh, they have Lord's Supper. Uh, they said, well, they have it every Sunday. I go, oh, really? Well, that's great. They said, well, yeah. The pastor at the end of the service says, there's Lord's Supper sitting on the table in the back of the church. You can pick some of it up if you like. If I were explaining, I would say that you're, you're not eating the Lord's Supper. Granted. Right? They probably said the words of institution. They but is that the Lord's Supper? You know, where, you know, if you want to, you can't. No, that doesn't teach what, what the Lord's Supper is designed to teach and to give. Not at all.
2: Would
0: that really blasphemy? Huh. <laughs> yeah, so at what point do have you gone so far away from it that you're actually making fun of you know, that's what blasphemy is it it's it, it's to make fun of that exactly. which um paul gets pretty close i mean i i, I don't you know i don't praise you and when you come together a church, what does he say the lord's Supper is not that there would be divisions in fact the lord's Supper is designed for the very purpose that we realize that we are one in christ when we get down to uh uh the next one, or as he mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians ten, let's see. Um, <coughs> that's on uh, uh the back. One bread and one body. When we take of this, it shows our oneness. Paul says, when you guys take it, it shows your divisions. No, Paul says, that's not its purpose. Not at all. In fact, you know, he says All right, if there's divisions, at least we're going to be able to figure out who's going to follow the words of Christ and who's not. Um, You know, it's not good, but it it will let us know those who are approved. Those who follow the word. Let's do that. When we finally get down to, I got one more paragraph, what does (coughs) Paul do? Um, Genius. Genius, I will tell you. When he's got a problem, he says, well, let's go back to see if what you're doing agrees with what Christ said in the words of institution. That's the thing that determines what we do in it. You might hear others, you know, who talk about, well, you know, we, we are doing a sacrifice and whatever. And I go, well, do the words of institution say anything about that? No. Oh. Well, well, we're just we're just having it once a year, and it's in the back of the church, and you can you know. And I go, with the words? Let's go to the words. Let's see what Jesus says when he instituted this. So that's what he does. When you come together in one place, so you're you're in one place, but it's not to eat. What happens? The, each one has their own supper. So he's concerned that this meals that they have are not in agreement, and they are causing the supper itself to, you know, to deny it completely. One time for another's <laughs> drunk. Uh, finally, you know, if you're going to be eating and drinking, if you think that that's what it's about, go to your house. That's not what this is about. Um, uh, what happens is you despise, you would say, the oneness of the church and shame those. I'm not going to praise you. So Paul is going to have to deal with this situation in Corinth. He begins with the words of institution. "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you." So he says, "Listen. I'm following the Lord. <laughs> Here's what I gave you. Are you keeping it? I delivered it to you." And then that the Lord Jesus Christ the same that he's going to go right through the words of institution, In which he's going to pull out of those things, the things that we need to know to address or correct this uh, situation itself. Jesus, on Monday, Thursday, the night before he was to be betrayed and taken away and by the next morning put on the cross, he took the bread. That would be... uh, <laughs> unleavened bread of the Passover, and he gave thanks for it, said a prayer of thanks for what the Lord had did. Then he broke it so that it might be able to be distributed to those, and he told them to take, eat. He describes this bread as his body, this body which is broken for you. He describes a, a brokenness, obviously a, a reference to his, his death on the cross. And he asks that we would do this meal, which he is describing, that it might be done in a remembrance of Jesus, the connection going back to the remembrance, and I would describe this as twofold, a remembrance of his own body which was dying upon the cross and so he says remembering that Christ is doing this and giving it to us in the same manner he takes the cup after supper that which had the cup of wine in it saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood he talks about his blood uh, and about there was a new thing going on uh, a covenant his giving to us uh, the forgiveness of sins this do as often as you drink it once again in remembrance 26 first thing he says for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death Till he comes. This proclamation, proclaiming the Lord's death. A lot of discussion about what does it mean to proclaim his death. Um, I guess in a very simplistic way. um, Jesus died for you! That's a proclamation of Jesus' death that of itself Um, but what is this proclamation of his death that's connected with Lord's Supper it's just a a confession
3: of what we believe we believe this is the body and blood of Christ forgiven for us yes
0: this sentence is not telling us about two different things the eating of the supper, and then a different thing that's called the proclamation of his death. It's telling us about one thing. That is, as often as, when you take Lord's Supper, eat this bread and drink this cup, the way the Lord says, it should be a proclamation of his death. That's what's going on. Jesus said, I suffered and died for you, and in this meal I'm giving you the forgiveness of sins. When the Christians come forward to receive this, they're saying, I'm a sinner, and I need the forgiveness of sins, which Jesus won by his suffering and death, and when I receive this, I get the forgiveness of sins. In other words, you're proclaiming his death by your eating, what he has set up for us. It is, Jesus said, this is for you. By your taking it, you are (coughs) giving thanks for what he has provided and showing that that is his death. How, How the Christian church does this? It's done this from the time that Jesus instituted it, and they're going to keep doing it, till he comes back. This is the way that we proclaim his death is for me. That's what they're talking about. Questions? Brian? Am I correct in saying that Paul received this doctrine?
3: He says it there directly from the Lord. He wasn't at the Lord's Supper and he wasn't passed this on from the other disciples. This was given to him directly, and I find it so
0: comforting that it lines up exactly with the gospel. I mean, um, yeah, we've got the 12 apostles who got all the teaching directly from Christ himself. Uh, Paul is converted later. Uh, he obviously conferred with the other apostles, and the other apostles you know, gave him the right hand of fellowship and said, yes, what you're teaching is exactly in agreement. But Paul receives from direct revelation and is taught over a period of time. So, yes.
3: What um, Jesus told him and how it happened at the Lord's Supper don't conflict.
0: Don't conflict. Exactly. Exactly. Jake,
3: where, you know, I'm not a scholar, where he says this cup is the new covenant of my blood, does that kind of establish that? Christians are now God's chosen people and not it's not the Jews that are the chosen people? Is that kind of the establishing point
0: of that? It is. Um, and I would say that's a, a major part of saying, listen, there was a covenant. It was made with Abraham. It, there was a sign of the covenant called circumcision. Everything about it was to point to Christ. Once Christ came and fulfilled all of this... There is now the new covenant in which we would say the old is fulfilled, and now there is a new. The the other connection that, that in the grand scheme of things that, that you see with this is, up through the Old Testament was the continual command, you don't drink the blood. I mean, just... Again and again and again, that kind of thing. That the life is in the blood. You don't drink the blood. And when this all of a sudden, especially in the revelation of something new, it lets you know that well something's changed dramatically. Because now you can, you know, there's life in Jesus, and you receive the blood. So all of a sudden you say, whoa, this is new. This is the fulfillment. This is so you can't do both. You can't keep the old that says, don't do it, and the new, no, this supersedes it. So, yes, absolutely. To,
3: his, to Jake's point also, it's very interesting because the first covenant is made in the shedding of blood also with Abraham and Isaac. And it's very interesting that this is more blood, but it's the blood of our God. Right,
0: right. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, yes, Tony Prosco.
2: It always amazes me how quickly man can get in there and foul things up. (laughs) This is during Paul's life. I would say we just passed Thanksgiving. Do you remember what Thanksgiving was for? And how many of you found out now that it is family and get together to eat? It didn't take as long. And here it is 60 years? If that, 50 years? And already, the devil's got in there and worked his way with us. we didn't have the Lord, with, I would certainly hope we had Paul to tell us what to do. Well, who's telling us now Other than the church?
0: Very true. and And so it doesn't take long, you're right, for things to change if you're not drawn back to the words. And so to hold to the words, this is what is, you know, the summary statement of, of what needs to. Paul now goes on to apply it to the present uh, incident. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. He has explained what is going on he doesn't say he doesn't say if you eat and drink in an unworthy manner unworthy as things don't go together it doesn't fit this you can't uh, be guilty of judged by the body and blood if it's not there Paul says it's there Christ's body and blood is there, and Christ's body and blood wants to forgive sins and to unite us into one church. But what's going on here is they are distinguishing, separating out, creating divisions, and he says that will there will be a judgment, uh, a judgment that you are not using the body and blood of Jesus for the purpose that it was given. It was given to unite. It was given to make us one holy Christian church by forgiving us all our sins. We're all one communion of saints. That's not what was going on. Uh, So he's not praising them for their service of Lord's Supper because it's not really the Lord's Supper. They were doing their own suppers. That's the problem. And then verse 28. But let a man examine himself... And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Paul says a good correction for this is that the individual ought to examine himself. Why is he coming to Lord's Supper? What, what am I doing coming to Lord's Supper? Let me examine myself To see if my coming is worthy, that is, that it agrees with the purpose for which it was set up. And then he says, let him eat of the bread and drink, let him do it. But have an examination before, and then the eating and drinking coming afterwards. We usually speak of two sacraments. Usually we speak of baptism and and of Lord's Supper. Um, Two sacraments. We describe them as sacraments because we say they have uh, a command of Christ uh, to do them. We have the promise of the forgiveness of sins in connection with them. And usually there's a visible element. You have water, you have bread and wine. Nevertheless, these two sacraments are not identical they're not exactly the same God intends them to be used in a certain way when it comes to baptism uh, this is uh, for all nations for baptism it is kind of an instituting it is a born again it is a entrance into the the church entrance to church you're born again not just adults infants children are baptized into it and where there is baptizing and teaching you make sure that you you teach them and all when it there there's no uh restrictions except that it's being received as baptism now if you if you come to me and just want fairy dust you know you want baptism just I'm not going to be taught, I'm not going to come back, I'm just going to do this. I'm not participating. I'm not doing it. You have to receive what what Christ is offering. But, with Lord's Supper, we've actually got some words that let us know, even of the baptized, I want to make sure that you know that there can be an examination before the eating and the drinking. Because this is different from baptism. Can
3: you give us some examples of, of today? What would be um, taking Lord's Supper in an unworthy
0: manner? Um, taking Lord's Supper in order to uh, in order to offer up to God your worship. Mm-hmm. That would be. Misusing—that's not what the supper is for. It's not for me offering something up to God. So that would not be uh, taking Lord's Supper simply because. Well, everybody else is going up. I'm just going to, you know, have a little snack, and and it'll make my wife happy if I take Lord's Supper. She you know, she thinks it's a big deal. I don't care about it. Um, that would be to misuse misuse the supper. Um, to and there are complete denominations who have said, you know what, we're going to invite everybody to the supper. Anyone and everyone that shows up can come. We're going to use this as an evangelism tool to try to grow the church. And so the disciples of Christ have set this up and said, you know, everyone's invited. And this is the way in which we're, we're going to do that. Um That's not what it's intended to be. It's not intended to be a friendly, welcoming for everyone as if it would somehow do that. Uh, there, There are some concerns that you can actually misuse this. Tony, and then Rachel. I'm on a little different track here. On
2: the wording, is this where we get the idea that you have to be an adult to get to the
0: communion, or when does that? Because there, there's no age limit listed. Correct. There is no age limit. Uh, the church has had different, uh, has traditionally done it anywhere from about age seven all the way up to during Pietism, mm-hmm. it got as much as 21 or, or something like that, where people would commonly come. Um, normally, it was always connected with a confirmation which is a teaching so that having been taught that you know what it is you're able to receive it. Um, where there is believers in Christ that is who believe in Christ themselves will you take this to your harm if you believe in Christ? You know, knowing that it's the body and blood of Christ or whatever? No. No, you will not. Um, unbeliever, yes, It's going to talk about it. if you deny that it's the body and blood of Christ. Nevertheless, here's the one thing that kind of puts it together. This is intended to be for the strengthening of your faith. That's what it's for and, and, and all. If you don't know what is going on, will it be to the strengthening of your faith? And you kind of go, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, let me give you an example. And, and, and this is a, just a very practical example. Um, I go to visit Grandma in the nursing home. And uh, as I go to visit her, I bring her the word and Lord's Supper. And over time, she becomes senile and doesn't know what's going on. And at some point, as we're kind of going through, I say to Grandma, I say, well, um, I've I've brought you Lord's supper, and and she looks at me and goes, "I go well, well, you know, I I brought you Lord Lord's supper," and she says, "I had chicken at at dinner today." You know, um, would 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 you like Lord's supper? Well, I don't know. I mean, those are the kind of responses that 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 I can get it's at that point that I go you know what it's not the time to have Lord's Supper I will continue to read God's word I will continue to bring stuff you know but uh, um, and I will you know sometimes it comes and goes and so maybe next week she's ready to go and, and whatever but maybe not and, and I know that especially if it's your grandma or your mother it may bother you tremendously Oh my goodness, you know, grandma doesn't you know Lord's Supper. And I go, listen, I go, if she were sleeping and and I stuck it in her mouth and gave it to her, she would take the body and blood of Christ for sure. Would it strengthen her faith? I don't know she was sleeping. She wouldn't even know that she had it. And if you don't know that you had it How could it strengthen your faith? Well, it's the same thing. It's not that I'm excommunicating her. It's not that she's not a believer anymore. It's just that this would not be for the... It's a practical matter for the strengthening of faith. It's not that it would harm her. It's just not that it would help. Um, I will say in the very same way, you have your children until the time that they're communed, uh, uh, until the time that they're confirmed, I don't give them Lord's Supper. Do I think it would harm them? Not really. They're believers in Christ. Oh, they believe the word. But I'm not going to give it to them. Because Paul says we need to be able to examine ourselves so that we know what this is. Um, Your children, they will come up to the Lord's Supper. At times they'll go, oh, pastor, how could you refuse them? I go,
3: they're just, you know, it's like asking for a cookie
0: um they're just you know, I go it's good, I'm glad they are understanding this is what Christians do. We come forward and we want to receive this. That's a very good thing. Let me teach them. and as soon as I can teach them what it is and why they come when we give them a full training, let's bring them forward. Um, I want them to receive as soon as possible. but uh, so anyway, um, Tony, you, you know you mentioned about adults, yes, that's exactly why. Paul is letting us know that the practical matter of this is that it's not going to do you any good unless you understand why it is, why you come, and what you're receiving. So let's make sure that the person who comes can examine themselves to receive this. There's a couple other issues and that. This always brings up a little bit farther uh, afield, but but let me continue this. First Corinthians 11. Oh, Rachel, you had a handover. You covered it. I covered it. Good. I would be
3: going far afield if I said that.
0: Good enough. Um, I may do that myself in just a minute. So, <laughs> so whoever eats this bread and drink it, uh, there will be a judgment that he's not recognizing the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks a judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Paul is going back and saying, do you not understand that this bread is now the body of Christ and that you're receiving it? If you can't recognize that it's the body, if you think it's just a little snack halfway through the service, um, then there is a judgment that you are uh, guilty of uh, will come upon you to make sure what's interesting is that in some churches like the reformed churches who don't believe it's the body and blood of Christ and Lord's Supper you say well what about this they say oh well that's, this is just that you don't discern that there's a whole bunch of Christians the body of Christ meaning not Jesus body himself the, the, the church like, well that just doesn't fit the context uh, of what Paul is, is explaining with this He goes on to say, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That's a reference to death. What is he saying? There are those who have been misusing the body and blood of Christ, and at least in this situation, it has caused physical sickness as well as those who have died. He says, if we would judge ourselves... If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we would do this examination of ourselves and do a judgment of ourselves, then we would not get this judgment that comes from from Christ. So, when we are judged, well, so, what kind of judgment do we make? We examine ourselves. And this is what we do. We say, okay, here's what the Lord says. It's his body and blood. Do I believe it's the body and blood? All right, I'm going to examine myself. The Lord says it's for the forgiveness of sins. Do I have sins and do I need forgiveness? Oh, okay. So I'm checking to see if my reception, that's what we mean by a worthy reception, do I have faith in what he says about this? Do I wish to receive what Jesus' death brought about? Do I want to proclaim? Do I want to let everyone know? I always say, if you're sitting in the pew and it comes time for Lord's Supper and you get up and walk up to the front, everyone goes, Did you see him go up to Mm Lord's Supper? He must be a sinner.
3: Yes. You know?
0: And he must be going up for forgiveness because that's what the pastor said. Did you see? You kind of go, Yeah, I hope we all do. You're proclaiming the death is for you. That's exactly what you're doing. Um, so, uh, if we would judge ourselves, then the judgment that Christ would bring upon us, we wouldn't be judged. When we are judged, that is, by, by Christ or His Word and His teaching, the Lord is just chastening us. We are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world, you can't quite see it in the Greek, but he does this thing with the the Greek word judge is krema. to to to, to. and then the word uh, when you add the kata at the beginning, the katakrima is the condemned. So he says, when we are krema'd, we are just chastened by the Lord that we may not be katakrema'd with the world. What he's saying is, judge yourself. So you don't become judged by God and condemned. Judge yourself. Check and see. Um, make a judgment about who you are and what you're receiving. Therefore, he goes on, and here's his conclusion. My brethren, when you come together, that would be a Lord, when you come together for service, when you come together to eat, he says, wait for one another. Um, It's not simply a a, a matter of of what... He's talking about don't do this separate thing that you do. Do it where you are all together. If anyone is hungry, have that meal kind of stuff at home, uh, lest you come together for judgment. And he says the rest of the stuff, whatever is, you know, I'll set it in order. Just follow the words that Christ has said and it will uh, have an effect on... How you celebrate
3: Lord's Supper? No, well, I've never been to a, a Reformed church when they celebrate Lord's Supper, because they don't do it very often. Sometimes once a year, I guess. Do they say the words of institution? Is it actually Lord's Supper when they celebrate it? Or is it just spread out on a table? And if they did say the words of institution, then it is Lord's Supper
0: so here's the principle Here's the principle, and I guess um, it's a very tough question the principle is this if you have the elements that the Lord said and you use the words that he says those are the kind of the first two uh, bars that you have to cross if you change the elements to coffee and cookies you, you don't have Lord said you just you don't If you have the bread and the wine, but you change the words to something else, um, you don't have Lord's Supper. Same thing with baptism. You might have water, but if you change the words to, in the name of of the liberty, freedom, and brotherhood, I'm sorry, you don't have Lord's Supper. So those are the first two things that we have to cross the bars to go with. The third one is the tough one. And the third one is this. Are you intending to do what the Lord said? So, you go at at 7 p.m. on Friday night to a play about a Christian community. And in the play, in the third act, they baptize a child and they use water and the... Person who is playing the pastor says the words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is it a baptism? No. We all look at that and go, well, of course it's not a ba- it's a play. They're not intending to act. You know, even though they're I got the word, you know. So you, we all know that there is that kind of thing. So here's the problem: you go to a Reformed church and you say to them, "Are you mm-hmm. intending to have Lord's mm-hmm. Supper?" Yes. And then you say, so what are you, in, you know, are are you giving out the body and blood for forgiveness? Oh, no, not at all. That's not what's going on here. What is? Right. So then we, we kind of go, well, that's not the, inst- the Lord's. So that's the real problem. The real problem is, you know, when I say to you, so what are you intending to do? I'm intending to offer up a sacrifice to God and he'll be pleased with this. And I'm going not what he's, you you know, so I'm caught. You know, that's a problem. That's a real problem um, concerning it. So...
3: In in thinking about it in relationship to circumcision, did Abraham take the knife and just symbolically do circumcision on his kid? And it actually hurt him, so, you know, just sort of play acted. It wasn't circumcision any more than this could be.
0: Now, in this exhortation uh, yeah, we, we're, that, that we're dealing with in the divine service, there is a place now that returns to uh, what Luther had in his uh, German mass, Church of Messe, uh, this exhortation in which the pastor says, let's look at the words of institution, let's examine ourselves. If we find that we have sin, know that this is Christ giving out the forgiveness of sins in his body and blood. That is the exhortation. What is that exhortation? It is the pastor saying to us, we ought to examine ourselves before we take. That's what it's saying. There is another thing that goes on as well, and it's not the exact same thing. There is something else that we call closed communion. Closed communion is not you making a decision, it is the pastor, me, I make a decision. And what decision do I have to make? I make a decision based upon your public profession of faith, that is, by your church membership, you say, I've studied this, this is what I believe, I stand up with the congregation, what's written in the small catechism, that's what I believe. And based upon that, I receive you to Lord's Supper. Even and, and there are others who, either by their public profession of faith, say, I don't believe it because they belong to a Baptist church or they belong to whatever, you know, uh, 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 the Masons or they belong to. And I go, yep, that's not consistent with our confession. You're, you cannot come to Lord's Supper. So that that is one thing. But of those who are members of our congregation, those who profess this, it still behooves you to examine yourself. I can only examine the outside. I can only examine what comes out your mouth and you know where you bodily go and and, and I don't know. But you ought to do what? Examine yourself. Let a man examine himself. Why? You're looking inside. I I can't look inside. I don't know what you believe inside. I I know what you're telling me. Um, This is why this is important, that by this you might receive worthily, that is, in true faith. Question.
3: Uh, you know, the thing that bothers me, the big thing that bothers me about the churches, church is, um, I, when I was working, we would sit around the table at breakfast time, you know, and we'd talk about religion and stuff. And I remember this one guy, he was talking about his church, and it just hit me the way he said it. He said, yeah, he said, anybody can come to a communion at our church, even a heathen. You know that got to me to to really thinking more about this. That is, these churches that allow this—it's it's so disrespectful to the Lord's body. I mean, even if they don't believe it's actually His body and blood, they still believe was something instituted by Him, and to allow somebody in there that you know, isn't, and you're and you're giving them the body and the blood. You know, I don't know. What is the responsibility to these churches? I mean, how does God look on these churches
0: that allow this, this? And so it's the minister that has been given the stewardship of the mysteries. And so, you know, he's ultimately responsible for allowing and, and these things that go on. Um, I mentioned with with Carn's question that, you know, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to... Yeah. And and part of it is this, part of it is uh that's not been given my my judgment has been given here. I know what's going on here. I know it's a, you know, if it's not being done this is mine. You know, do you judge those down the street? They're not my sheep. I don't know what's going on there. There's not, you know, they've got a pastor what you know. Now, if you ask me about principles and teachings, I will, I will do this. What I have found and just to give you that kind of thing is I you know if let's say Uh, and it doesn't, normally it doesn't happen, but if someone in that situation got up and said, now this is not the body and blood of Christ, and we're not doing this for forgiveness, it's just a way of thinking about Jesus in a fondly, you know, and kind of, uh, and and they said that, you know, you say, okay, well that's pretty clear. Most of the time that's not done. What happens? They say, we're going to have Lord's Supper. They get out their book, and they read the words of institution, and they take Lord's Supper. And I know that I have talked to Reformed members, you know, faithful Reformed members, and, and I've talked with some of them before and said, you know, they said, well, what are, what, are the, what are some of the differences? You know, I said, well, how about Lord's Supper? I said, you know, the Lord said it's his body and blood for forgiveness. Do you believe that? And, and they look me straight in the eye and they go, well, of course I go, y- did you say you believe it? you know, because I know their church doesn't teach that at all and I go, so, so you believe that? so he goes, well, that's what it says in the words and I go, yay! you know, um, what I find is that there are many that hold to the words and thankfully they teach them nothing Thankfully, they don't know. Um, now, again, I'll let the Lord sort that out. That's that's not my that's not my mm-hmm. situation. That's not what what I, I need to do. But I do find that there's a lot of confusion. Oh yeah. And maybe that's good. Maybe I'm glad that there is.
2: Yeah. Just to add to the
3: confusion, like my whole family is reformed, and they believe it's the body and blood. Yet they hand out grape juice. So really,
0: what is it? It's like, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, right, so yeah, I, I think we got to be very careful of making blanket. I mean, again, I can talk about the public confessions that they have that are written down and what normally they do, but in practice, yeah, it's it's all over the board.
3: Let him bringing the grape juice—that's that, my next question. You know, it says the fruit of the vine, which the grape juice is. So how do we? This this is always confused. Me, the is... Because I even know—I mean, I went to a Missouri Synod church one time that that passed out grape juice. You know, you could take either one. You could take the wine. Yeah. You could take the grape juice out in Colorado with this friend, you know, and that—that's how kind of their church did it. So, is there—is there a problem with grape juice?
0: Yes, it's not the Lord's Supper if that is what is being used, because you have changed the elements.
3: Because it specifically said wine.
0: it, it what was used? What is called mm-hmm. fruit of the vine. Was one? There is no doubt about it. Um, I, I, you know, and 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 nobody questioned that for I don't know eighteen hundred years.
3: No one drank grape juice; it was too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you yeah. know. I,
0: want my um, yeah. I, I just that's just the problem. I mean, that that's that was pretty simple, but Mass you know. A way. All right. You. Uh, well, you
2: know, in verse nineteen. Paul says there there must also be factions among you (coughs) Mm -hmm. that those who are approved may be recognized. What's supposed to come out of factions? Factions basically amount to false teaching. What's supposed to come out of factions? Recognition of false teachings and correction. That's what this whole thing is about. We need to recognize false teachings and correct them. Not judge them, correct them.
0: So I've got two different... I've been using the smaller one because I've been running out of space. (laughs) I have two different uh, paragraphs that deal with Lord's Supper. Uh, There's the smaller one, which I don't think it has it in it. The longer one does. The longer one says something to the effect of, You know there are differences that we have, and that's why we all can't commune together. And we're going to pray for the end of those differences. Or if you would like to be taught, that's why. That's what closed communion is designed for. One, it wants to—I want to protect those who might take this to their harm. But two, so that people go, well, wait a minute. You're saying that there's doctrinal problems here. You know, I would welcome you know someone who would say, hey. Talk to me about this. What's going on? I want to know what, you know, is there, in other words, that we might recognize uh, um, this. Now, I granted, there are those who don't know that there are differences. They don't know what's important. They don't. But there are others who, having been t- gone through, go, oh, no, I'm standing down on my falsehood. Eh, that's a problem. But this is one where, do you know how many people do that? I tell them they can't come to close communion, and then they say, Pastor, come and talk to me. Let's find out what's going on here.
2: Close to none.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, they either get upset, or they look at this and go, eh. Um, but, but that's what it's for. That's what it's for. Quickly, Tony?
2: Yeah, we're getting very specific on words here. It worries me because it says body and blood. For years, all I got was the body. Is, it, is there a requirement here
0: that what do I do if I'm an alcoholic? Yeah, so um, we always go back to the words of institution. And the words of institution don't give this option. You know, when you eat the bread but don't drink the blood, then you know, what, what? You know, well, what's that all about? Um, with that, uh, there's never, uh, uh, the Lord never says, you know, you have to drink ounces Um, you know I'm I'm, I'm sure that you know uh, a a drop is sufficient Um,
1: I just wanted to say that I agree with you it's the minister who is responsible as you know Walt and I wanted to hear about what was being done wrong at Good Shepherd and it's not that there weren't other people they weren't given a chance because the pastor decided not to let you come and describe to us what those things might be. And I don't think it's enough just for the pastor, as in perhaps Jacob, to do it the right way, but the people still don't know what's going on, that something else around them is, is being falsely taught. So...
0: Let us conclude. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words, for your words give life. Call us, recall us back to those words where we have uh, deviated, uh, that we might cling to them without fail, uh, for uh, they uh, impart to us uh, our Savior Jesus and his forgiveness. In his name we pray. Amen.